Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to a solo episode. I should have started it with, hi, my friends, but I didn't. So here we are. I've actually already recorded this life update episode for you. And I recorded it like two weeks ago. And then I got back to listening to it. My editor sent it to me. I went through it and I was like, do you know what? It's just missing the mark. I was talking about some really, really important things like being depressed and asking yourself really difficult questions and pulling yourself out of depression. And I just felt like it just didn't hit in the way that I wanted it to. And the problem is, is that I was like, I'm such a perfectionist that I don't know what to do about this now. And I'm trying to get okay with this 80% rule, which you guys might resonate with. You tell me if you resonate with it, that a lot of us out here, particularly with a father wound, a mother wound, both of the goddamn wounds, we're out here feeling like we have to be 100% in everything we do. And I think this has only been exacerbated by going to watch the Barbie movie yesterday. There was a part in the Barbie movie that I literally sobbed my eyes out when she basically said like, I don't know who I am under stereotypical Barbie. And I was like, hun, you are not alone. Because I think we're out here always striving for 100%. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. If I just do some more healing, if I just get a little bit calmer and I learn to regulate my nervous system and I get my anxiety under control, or I just get on top of this depression and I just start to do a little bit better at work and I just get that business idea to come to life and I just work a little bit harder and I just go to the gym and I just can get on top of that girl, clean aesthetic, healthy lifestyle. And if I just lose a little bit more weight, then I'll feel a little bit more confident in myself and I'll just look a little bit better in the clothes that I'm wearing. Then I'll just feel a little bit more confident about myself. Then I'll just be able to take a little breath out because I'll be like, okay, okay, I'm doing something with my life. And then with all of those things in place, it's going to make it easier in the dating world because I'm calmer and I'm prettier and I'm successful. And people are going to think, hey, this is a girl. This is the kind of guy that I want to date. And if I just do this and I just do that and I just catch up with all these friends and I build these deep nurturing friendships and I just do that and I just do this, then I will be somewhere else or something else. And this is what had me sobbing in the Barbie movie because I feel like I've been going through what Barbie went through in the Barbie movie. Now, if you haven't watched the Barbie movie, I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler But basically, Barbie has an identity crisis. So I am Barbie. I have identity crisis, crisis, crises, crises all of the time. And I think that that is just the human existence. And I think that I am not very good at navigating that. 
And I think that for many of us, when we are striving towards the 100%, okay, so in the movie, Barbie is a stereotypical Barbie. So she's perfect. She always looks perfect. Her house is perfect. She has the perfect boyfriend. She has the perfect friends. In life, when we are striving towards being 100% at everything, what I have learned is that we are so distracted from the reality of what is going on underneath that we kind of manage to like avoid these identity crises. Like imagine you're kind of like running across the road and there's cars and you're sort of dodging them and dodging them and you just make it to the other side and you're like, I made it. Okay, let's turn around. Let's go back across the road. And you're always focusing on things outside of you, the cars, the cars, the cars. You never for a hot second stop, look at yourself and and say, Louise, why are you running across the freeway repeatedly, you maniac? Now, I just came up with that analogy on the spot, but I quite like it because that is actually what I feel like my life is like. I am running always across the freeway. The irony of this story is that I actually did run across a freeway in Bangkok on my gap year. I was so drunk and I smashed my foot on the edge of like the motorway freeway, like huge cement curb, and I broke three of my toes. I was in a, I was in a wheelchair for like weeks after that. So the irony of this analogy is not lost on me, but that is what I feel like my life is like. If you know me, if you're in the house with us, you know my trauma response is to work, is to work, 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 and work some more. The problem with running your own business, which you also might relate to, and maybe you can relate to this too if you are a mom, if you have a a job that demands a lot of you, but it feels like there is always more to do. And I mean, that is why I end up working six, seven days a week, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. That's why I'm on my laptop at midnight sometimes. That's why I'm on my phone constantly. There is always more to do, more ideas, more conversations to have, more podcasts to edit, more guests to ask to come on the podcast, more people to help, more people to DM, more people to reply into in the house. Like this is just in my work section of life. So I want you to take that 100% analogy And I want you to imagine that you are trying to do that in all aspects of your life. You're trying to do that in the gym. You're trying to go to the gym five days a week. You're trying to drink less coffee. You're trying to be more hydrated. You're trying to eat more regularly. You're trying to be a fucking Pilates girl. You're trying to balance your blood sugar. You're trying to get vitamin D. All of these things, it is so much. And we wonder why we are so goddamn exhausted. And I just want to start this episode by saying, if you are exhausted, if you find life hard, you are not on your own. I find life really, really difficult because what I've realized is when I stop running across the road, when I'm not going 100% and I stop and I slow down, that is when I have these identity crises. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I think I am. Now, what I've learned from working with Sarah Murphy, who comes on this podcast all the time, and she's one of my best friends, we talk all of the time. She's taught me how we are basically addicted to the stress and the dopamine hits of life. We are addicted to the rush that comes with work. We are addicted to ticking things off our to-do list. We're addicted even to the adrenaline rush that comes with, or, or the cortisol rush that comes with, oh my God, I have more to do. I have more to do. We are addicted to the chase. We are addicted to the journey. And if you have ever been addicted to the chase of someone else, a romantic interest, a guy, a girl, then this is the same or similar neurobiology that is just going on within you in life. And that for me has been such an incredibly eye-opening thing to learn because I've realized that is why I can't switch off. My body, my baseline, like we spoke about in episode 88, 
it is high, it is pumping, it is cortisol, it is adrenaline, it is dopamine, and it feels good. That's why I say I love working. It makes me feel something and it makes me feel alive. And before I get onto the concept of feeling, I just want to share this concept of the 80%. I've been frustrated recently. In fact, frustration has been my word of the month. I've been frustrated or feeling frustrated with so many things in my life. I just have felt like I haven't really been able to get anything quite right. And as you know, Tulum, having lived here for a year and a half now, it feels like Tulum will not let me catch a break. And Tulum is one of the hardest places I have ever, ever, ever lived. And I think I've come to the conclusion of why that is. My life in London, my life in Dubai, my life in New York, my life in LA, all of these big cities that I've lived in, all of those enabled the same dopamine chase cycles that I am so used to thriving on. They had the Amazon packages, they had the gym, they had the coffee, they had the Uber Eats, they had the delivery, they had the call up and get anything you want delivered. They had the hop in the car and go, go wherever you want and buy whatever you want. Literally, there is not a working postal system in Tulum that delivers something to your house. Like we do not understand what we have until we have it taken away from us. And I've spoken a lot about how, oh, Tulum is a cruel mistress. Tulum is a cruel mistress. And that sounds really incredibly abstract. But what I'm learning is it is an incredibly cruel mistress because Tulum strips everything away from you. And that is what it's done for me. So it's taken me away from my family, away from my friends and away from my dog who I miss every day. I've literally had to disassociate and disconnect from her, knowing how happy she is with my family in the countryside, because I feel so much immense guilt and sadness every time I think of her, that it is a horrendous emotional experience for me. Tulum has taken my health away from me. If you guys know, I had dengue fever. I was so, so insanely ill. And looking back on it, I spoke with a nurse and she was like, yeah, you do realize some people die from that, right? And I was like, <laughs> I've had months and months and months of horrendous stomach pains, my body not absorbing any of the nutrients. I lost so much weight. Then just as I thought I was getting back on track, last week I had blood in my poo. Sorry, TMI. Nothing on this podcast is ever TMI. I had blood in my poo. The night before that, I was rolling around on the, on the I was about to say the kitchen floor, on the bathroom floor at like 4am with this agonizing stomach cramps. Tulum has taken my health away from me. And every time I try and get well, something happens. Like, I was feeling a little bit better and I went to the gym and I hurt my neck. One gym session. I've not been able to turn my neck literally for a week. I'm walking around like a robot. And that's another thing is in the cities that I've lived in before, you are not sweating all the time. You are not drenched in sweat. You can wear makeup. You can feel good. You can wear trousers. In Tulum, particularly in the summer, it is so hot. You have waterfalls of sweat literally pouring down your body. You can't wear makeup. I don't wash my hair because literally, what is the point in washing my hair if I'm then going to go on a motorbike and sweat through it and go in the ocean? So I just have started to learn how to braid my hair and that's actually been really helpful. But yeah, Tulum has really been an eye-opening experience for me and it's been really difficult. Now I'm starting to realize what Tulum has done for me and Tulum has stripped me back of all of the distractions that I had from life. And that is what I resonated with in the Barbie movie, is that she was stereotypical Barbie. She had everything. And then all of a sudden she started having these thoughts of death. You know, she said, she says like in the middle of a party, 
um, have any of you guys like been thinking about dying recently? And the whole party just stops. And it's like, perfect Barbie isn't supposed to have those thoughts. But the truth is, so many of us do have these thoughts, not necessarily of death, but just, is this it? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Am I doing the right thing? Is this the right job? Should I be in a different job? Should I be doing my own thing rather than working for someone? Am I in the right relationship? Should I be getting married? Should I be getting divorced? And tying it back to the 100% point, I think that is because we are aiming for 100% in every part of our life because we've been taught stereotypical Barbie can do that. And if you guys haven't watched the movie, you'll be like, why are you calling her stereotypical Barbie? But that is Margot Robbie's character. Like she is the perfect Barbie. And we feel like everyone else has all of these things going for them and everyone else is happier than I am. So I should be happy, right? And someone said to me last week, Louise, you are such a perfectionist. You just need to learn to be happy with 80%. And I thought that that was an incredibly powerful statement that that person made. Because what therapy has also taught me is that by trying to control everything in my life, trying to have the business my way, by trying to make my body look a certain way, by trying to dress a certain way, these are all just control mechanisms to make us feel less uncomfortable because life is inherently uncomfortable, right? So I thought that that 80% point was really interesting and it's taught me or it's at least got me thinking about in what areas of my life can I be happy with 80% rather than 100%. And I've been thinking about it in terms of my business. There's been some things that have been frustrating me and I've thought, okay, what does this working at 100% look like versus it working at 80%? And let's take my body, for example. So in the house, we've been talking about Azempic recently and how there's this really interesting like wave of jealousy for people that aren't taking Ozempic, but who have friends who are. And it's like this really interesting conundrum where we want to take that shortcut. We're envious of the people taking the shortcut. We're envious of the people that are losing the weight without going to the gym. And it almost makes us want to do the same thing, right? Because you look at perfect Barbie, you look at stereotypical Barbie, and we're told we should have this perfect body. So we're given a shortcut. And we know we shouldn't take it. We know it's not good for our health. We know we're taking this medication away from other people. And also just on a really serious note, we know that it has a black box cancer warning from the FDA, but still. And if we think about this 80% point in terms of the body, it's like, okay, I'm not going to take a Zempic. I would never take a Zempic. And maybe my body is never going to look like what it looked like when I was 21. Maybe it's never going to look like what it looks like when I'm working out six days a week, because I know that six HIIT workouts a week is not healthy for me. But how can I learn to like myself at 80% rather than stressing at getting to the 100%? Now, what can I focus on in that 20%? And that for me is the question. What do you need to accept to be able to bring something down to the 80% level? And for me, some of those acceptance pieces look like I love eating. And sometimes when I have a slightly curvier, softer body, it's a reflection of the fact that I love eating and I've eaten with people I love and enjoyed meals. Or maybe I can be happy with 80% knowing that I'm being gentle with my body and I'm learning to treat her kindly and with respect rather than putting her into six boxing classes a week, high on adrenaline, high on cortisol, being like, go, go, go. So I thought that was really interesting. And I think tying it back to the Barbie point, when she said she didn't know who she was under stereotypical Barbie, I was crying in the cinema because I feel like that's me. Like I 
have been going on an incredibly difficult journey over the last year and a half where I've had almost everything taken away from me. My family, my friends, my dog, the things that I'm used to, the gym, the coffee shop, being able to rely on power and water and not getting sick if I brush my teeth with the water. You know, I got pulled over by the police here like last week and it was horrible. You're trying to take my moped off me. I'm an hour away from home in the blazing heat. I have no sun cream on. If I have to walk, down a motorway for an hour to get home, this is going to be a horrible experience. So Tulum has taken all of these things that made me comfortable away from me and it's just started to ask me, who are you underneath them when you're sweaty, when you're a little bit fatter than usual, when you don't have any makeup, when you don't have products, when you don't have hair that you can even run a hairbrush through. And I think this has been the journey that I've been going on. And I have to be honest, I haven't been great over the last few months. And I sound pretty happy talking to you guys, but the truth is, is I have been not good. And I would say that I got to a point where I have been depressed over the last few months. And I think that one of the craziest things that I've learned is starting to understand how my mental health ties into polyvagal theory, the different states of the nervous system, the fight, the flight, the freeze, the fawn, And what Sarah's taught me is that a huge amount of mental health conditions today are our bodies being in one of these states. So, you know, anxiety is that your fight or flight loop on response. Your body is saying, this is dangerous. The environment we're in is dangerous. We do not feel safe emotionally, physically. Or has your body gone through that for such a sustained period of time that you've actually then gone into freeze mode? And Sarah's taught me that the longer we stay in fight or flight, so weeks, days, months of stress, we can then transition into the freeze mode, which is where our body's like, I actually can't fight this anymore. And I don't know what to do here other than basically freeze. And I think what's really sad is that I think that is the state that I have been in. And I think the only reason that I really realized this was when I started to lose joy in anything and everything. And I think you guys know I'm a pretty joyous person. Like I have a lot of fun. I love a lot. I laugh a lot. I say I'm full of joy most of the time. And I love sunrises and sunsets and cats and dogs and friends and eating. Like food brings me so much joy. I got to a point where I was just waking up in the morning and I just felt nothing. I was exhausted. I was lethargic. I didn't know what to do for the day. I couldn't make any decisions. I was like to my boyfriend, please, can you just make decisions? Just tell me, like, can you just make me breakfast and bring it to me, please? Otherwise I won't eat. And I think it was when we started going out for dinner on the weekends and he'd be like, where do you want to go? And there was nothing in me. There was no part of me that was like, I want to go here. I want to go there. Like I had no interest in doing anything. I had no interest in going to the gym. I had no interest in going to the beach. Like I just wanted to lie at home or sit at home and just like work or just watch television. It was like my whole body was so heavy that I couldn't physically move it. But it was also that my mind was just so tired that I couldn't make decisions. It was like pure cognitive dysfunction. I don't even think that's the right term, but that's what just came out there. And it was really difficult. And I I really started crying and I was really weepy. And my boyfriend was like, I think that you're depressed. And for the first time ever, I said to him, I think you might be right. I think I am depressed. And I've been fighting it for so long. And I've been fighting trying to be happy in Tulum. And I've been fighting trying to make friends. And I've been fighting trying to find my people. And I've been fighting to feel safe here and learn the language here. And 
I think that it just came to a point where I don't know if it was the getting sick again or the neck pain or the being unwell, but I think my body was just like, we can't do this. Like we can't function in this environment. That then brought like a ton of more difficult conversations around how we could get me out of this state. And I think what I want to share with you is like the four things that got me out of this freeze mode or that has started to get me out of this freeze mode because learning to work with our nervous system rather than against it is something that is incredibly important. And I now realize like I can't get my body out of freeze mode by forcing myself to do things. So the first thing is that I knew I had to just start to walk or get out of the house or go to the gym. Now, like I said, I was lethargic. I had no energy. I really, really, really resonate with people that are like, they can't get out of bed when they're depressed. That wasn't me, but I definitely didn't have enough energy to go to the gym. So I just started with getting one of my favorite podcasts on and either going for a walk around the block, like a 15, 20 minute walk slowly, or going to the gym and just doing like 20 minutes on the treadmill, incline treadmill, or 20 minutes on the stepper. Those tiny steps for me were incredible at starting to bring me back to life and back into my body. The second thing that I did was I'm very good at isolating myself when I feel depressed. And what I've learned in terms of the nervous system again is that isolation actually exacerbates whatever nervous system situation we are going through. But for me, again, like I said, I was exhausted. I feel like I didn't have the energy to have conversations with people, particularly people back home, that I haven't even told them how I'm feeling. So it's like, whoa, hey, just me, your old friend Louise, like checking in hysterically crying to tell you that I literally can't get out of bed and I can't eat anything and I don't know where my life is going. Whilst you're at home with your beautiful newborn baby, like you don't need that shit. You don't want to listen to me, even though the truth is, is actually my friends do want to. And and that's a, a home truth that I really, really need to accept. But that for me, that makes me isolate more. Now, my isolation ties back again to my childhood and just feeling safer in my bedroom on my own, reading books on MSN, et cetera, et cetera. But again, what I've learned is I need connection to help bring me back into my body, to help bring me back into the state of rest and digest rather than being in freeze. So what I did is I went to the beach and I sent voice notes to four or five people explaining what was going on. And I let myself be really, really vulnerable. Like I cried in them to some of them. And and it was, I was like, literally hysterically crying, being like, I'm so sad. You just had a baby and I'm not there for you. And I'm so lonely. And like, I was really, really honest with people. And I have to tell you the moment that I did that, I started to feel better. It was like, I just get this small amount of energy come back into my body and call it life force, call it nervous system regulation, call it embodiment, call it whatever you want. But something in that worked. And actually one of the craziest moments that I had whilst I was going through this period of reconnection is that a friend of mine who I haven't spoken to in ages, he was like, should we catch up? And I said, yes. And at the same time, someone who I haven't seen in 14 years also messaged me and was like, I'd love to catch up with you for X, Y, and Z reasons. So both of them I wanted to speak to. I had these two conversations, right? I could easily have said, I'm okay life is pretty good. Yeah, Tulum is great. You know, I'm stressed and I'm a bit tired and I've been a bit sick, but generally I'm good. I didn't do that because I'm learning the power of being vulnerable, being yourself and finding people that can love you and support you for being that version of you. And I got off the phone and I felt so much better. But not only that, both 
of the individuals also shared their own personal experience with me. One of the friends that I spoke to, she was 40. She just frozen her eggs. She's doing so well in her career, but she wanted to change. She wanted to leave. She wanted to change direction. She was feeling disillusioned. She was feeling trapped. And then the other guy, same thing. He has this incredible business. He's doing so well. He's so well respected in his world. He's great. He's gorgeous. He's handsome. He has a girlfriend, but he feels like something is missing. He just feels like he's at a crossroads in life. And he's like, is this it? And he said he looked at me with Open House and he was just so inspired because I'd left behind a really high paying, <laughs> lucrative career where I made a lot of money. And he's not wrong um, to, to follow my heart. And the truth is, is like, I'm making less money than I have ever, ever made. I'm in a position where I'm like, if I can pay my bills for the month and I can pay to go out and I can eat and I can pay for a gym membership, I've won for the month. And that's also been a really crazy thing that Tulum has taught me. Just making you question your relationship with money. Like, do I need this? Who told me I need this? Who told me I'm nothing without this? Who told me that I need to be rich and skinny and pretty and I have to have a husband by the age of 32 and two kids by the age of 35 and I have to own a house and I have to run a business. All of these things are bullshit. And I think that's one of the things that I like the most about Tulum is not one person here will ask you, are you married? Do you own a house? Are you going to have children? So for all the shit talking that I do about Tulum, it is also an incredibly freeing and eye-opening place to live because it lets you be you and there's no timelines, there's no pressure. It's like you're a 30-something-year-old woman who doesn't have any of the things that your friends have and has no idea what the next two years of her life are going to hold. Amazing. You're doing it right because you're living and you're experiencing and you're learning along the way. But oh my God, for stereotypical Barbie, for someone that wants to control everything, that is difficult. And I think I'm finally learning that that is why they say that Tulum is a cruel mistress. Okay, the third thing that I did that started to bring myself back into my body and out of this freeze was just doing a couple of things that I knew were good for my health. So starting to nourish my body rather than just basically wallowing because, oh my God, I've done a lot of wallowing in Tulum. So what does that look like? That looks like now every morning or at least five mornings a week, my boyfriend and I, we get a fresh juice. Look, can't speak. We get a fresh juice. We put it in the blender and I put in MSN, collagen, an immunity sachet, which is like vitamin C, liposomal and something else. I think elderberry extract. We also put in either reishi or chaga, I can't remember which, and turkey tail, which are both for immunity. The collagen is really good with helping to rebuild the gut. And then I also have some supplements left over. So I have my lion's mane supplement, which I've spoken to you guys about before. It's been revolutionary for my health. Whenever I feel depressed and I take lion's mane, it really, really helps me. So that's the third thing that I've started to do is these juices. It feels like I'm doing 10 things in one in the morning. And if all I have to do is get to the blender, put it in, whiz it up and drink it, I can do that. It's not saying I have to go out, climb a tree, find a coconut, pull it down, cut it open and drink it. It's literally depressively shuffle into the kitchen and make the juice. Okay. And finally, the fourth thing that I have started to do to bring myself out of freeze mode is basically facing up to the conversations that are really difficult and really uncomfortable to have. Now, why is that? Like I've already said in today's episode, the freeze mode, which is often associated with depression in some schools of thought, that comes after a prolonged period of fight or flight. So a prolonged period of stress. And then your body's like, nope, 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 I can't do this. Now, there's a lot of things in my environment 
that are really stressful for me. Just living in Tulum generally is stressful for me. I'm lonely. That's incredibly stressful for our biology. My microbiome isn't happy. That's incredibly stressful for my biology. There are a lot of things going on. But one of the most difficult things is the fact that I have no control or no certainty over my future. And I think that that has also been leading to this immense stress where it's like, I can't actually get a solution here as to where me and my boyfriend go from here. And without that solution, it feels like, okay, well, there is no option. So my whole body is just going to shut down and be like, uh-uh, game over. Let's just disconnect because we can't find solutions here. So I faced up to my really difficult conversations that I maybe wasn't having. And I started to say to my boyfriend, you know, where do we go from here? It's been a year and a half of us being together. I met you here on holiday. It was never the plan for me to stay. I was so obsessed with Tulum when I used to come on holiday, but it's been a different experience for me living here. Where do we go from here? And do we have a shared vision around where we go? And what do you want your life to look like? And one of the most difficult things that we've been navigating is that my boyfriend is very happy. He doesn't need a lot in life. He's just happy. He's like, I'll go wherever you want to go. Whatever you want to do is good with me. I'm kind of the opposite. Like we've spoken about being a bit of a control freak in today's episode. I'm like, but I want to know, like, I want to know where do we go? Where do we live? What job are you going to get? Can you get a visa? Do we have the funds to get a visa? Do we need immigration lawyers? All of these conversations have been stressful, also financially stressful considering the financial position that I'm in, which is like I said, making 10x less money than I've ever made and not complaining because open house is my dream. And I know that one day I will be able to survive on it and make some money and blah, blah, blah. We're going to do ads on the podcast soon, which will also help me cover the production costs. But yeah, we've had like a lot of very difficult conversations and it's really me asking like, can I take my boyfriend out of this situation that he's comfortable in? Because in my last relationship, I kind of in equal parts both damaged him and inspired him by being like, come on, come on, come on. You need more from life. Like you can make more money than this. Like you can do a better job than this. Like why don't you believe in yourself? I believe in you. Come on. And that was damaging for him. And in hindsight, I think actually when I met up with him, which we're going to talk about in a, in a, in an episode in I think a week or two, but he said, you know, you changed my life and I'm so grateful for that. But the truth is, is I don't want to do it again. I don't want to be telling my boyfriend, you have to do this to make our relationship work. We need to go here. I need this much for immigration lawyers for you. So it's really difficult. And we've been facing up to those conversations around like, where do we go? What does our future look like? What does your future look like? And I think that's been really difficult. But the truth is, is that facing up to them has helped me. Because the thing that we avoid, that is where our redemption lies. That is where our healing lies. And that is why, if you listen to my last life update, that is why I went to get all of those blood tests after having a phobia of needles, viruses, all this crazy health anxiety that I have had since I was 18 years old. I faced up to that fear and I went to get all of these things and it was absolutely life-changing. So I'm starting to learn that to bring myself out of freeze mode, I need to face up to the things that are putting me into freeze mode. And that's different for everyone. We all have things that we're avoiding. We all have things that are stressing us out. We all have things that are buried deep in our subconscious that we're not bringing to the forefront, that we're not sharing with people, that we're not being vulnerable about, that we're not owning we're hiding, we're literally subconsciously holding them. So those are the four things that have helped me. The going to the gym one kind of got pretty difficult seeing as I really hurt my neck. And like I said, I'm walking around like a robot. So yeah. And that's also been frustrating for me because I'm like, oh, just try, I'm trying like universe. I'm trying, please help me out here. But yeah, 
I just wanted to share this life update with you because the truth is I've not been in a good state and it's difficult to share these things on Instagram, you know, like a 15 second story like, hey guys, I've been super fucking depressed recently. I've literally not been able to get out of bed and like, I don't even want to eat pizza anymore. And I'm not excited by recording this podcast, which has given me life for the last three years. So yeah, okay, love you. (laughs) You can't have those discussions on Instagram. So I wanted to just share with you guys that The truth is, I don't know what the F I'm doing with my life, but I know that I'm moving in the right direction, even if the right direction has no clarity around it and has no control around it. And I also know that by having difficult conversations, I'm forging like real vulnerable connections with people. And the guy that I spoke with last week on the phone, he messaged me yesterday and he said, speaking with you is like taking MDMA. Your vulnerability, openness, and honesty with a side of fun is the best combination ever. And that is just so beautiful because the old me, the old Louise, I would have been so scared to share the truth about these situations. Like, I feel like a failure because I'm not making much money. I feel so lonely because I don't have many friends here. I feel like I'm falling behind because all of my friends have husbands and either one or two babies. I don't have a house. I'm nowhere near ever even owning a house. In fact, I'm not sure that I ever will. I don't feel as pretty as I have done in the past. I'm not loving my body right now. I have more wrinkles than I've ever had because I'm squinting the whole time in the sun. I'm fatter than I usually am. I'm sweatier than I usually am. I'm not able to hide under the cute clothes and the great makeup because it all rubs off in 25 seconds and the laundry ruins everything that you put through it. Literally all of my whites are now grey. All of my pink t-shirts are now grey. And I don't want anyone to think I'm complaining. I am fully aware of my state of privilege as a straight, white, able-bodied woman. But, you know, these are my truths. These are my realities. And I don't know where my relationship goes from here. I don't know when is the time to leave Tulum. And I don't know where is the place for me to go to because it doesn't feel like London is my home anymore, despite the fact that I miss everyone who lives there so much. All I know is that I love this man so much and he loves me too. We are best friends. We are everything to each other. But it's very, very difficult when we don't have a clear step forward around where to go, what city to live in, what the immigration process looks like. And by me staying here to be with him, I'm getting sick mentally and physically. So I wanted to share today's episode as a dose of reality. I also want you to ask yourself if you relate to any of this about the feeling lethargic and feeling like you're losing joy in the things that used to bring you joy. I want you to ask yourself, what questions are you ignoring and what situations are you not facing up to? And what are you suppressing and suppressing and suppressing, hoping that if you ignore it, it might go away? Because what I am learning about this whole nervous system healing space is that if our body is constantly stressed out, it's going to be a great deal more difficult to bring us back into a state of calm, centered, groundedness, rest and digest when the things that we are ignoring are telling our nervous system that there is danger, which pushes us into fight or flight and then through into freeze when that fight or flight response has been going on for a long time. And I think one of the most difficult things about today's society is just tying this back to the beginning of the episode. We feel like we need to be 100% in everything. We spend our whole lives focusing on getting to the 100%, getting to the 80%, getting to the 60% and feeling like we're not good enough. We spend our whole life running across the freeway, turning around, 
running back again. Life is relentless. It is nonstop. If you have children, I cannot imagine how you do all of these things and be a mother and be a father and be a parent on top of that. So if you feel depressed, please, please seek professional help. But if you are interested in not just medicating, if you are interested in healing your depression at the root, then understanding this freeze part of the nervous system, I personally think is critical. And I think it's also critical to ask yourself, are you constantly distracting yourself? Are you constantly avoiding yourself? Are you constantly scrolling on TikTok, messaging your friends, messaging people on dating apps, dating multiple men and women at the same time, never allowing yourself to actually slow down because your body cannot function without the stress hormones. And if that is you, I am not judging you because this week, as I've told some of you, I'm taking four days off. What am I doing on my third day off? I'm sat here working again, partially because I love it, but also because my body has not yet learnt to function in a state of doing nothing without constant stimulation. And I know that that is probably the biggest challenge that I will ever have to overcome. And I find it fucking hard. I want to do the breath work. I want to do the meditation. I sit there for three minutes and I like open one of my eyes and I'm like, are we done yet? I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be that person. I want to be calm and centered and grounded. I want to care for my body, care for my physical health, care for my mental health. I don't want to be stressed all the time. My boyfriend is a saint. It cannot be easy to date me. So as ever, no shame, no judgment. I want you to know that so many of us, probably the vast majority of society will relate to this episode, even if we feel like we are the only person that can't get through a 10-minute breathwork video. But most of all, my final point for this episode is a side of please, please, please start to share your truth outwards when you started to identify what is going on inwards. But also with a side of please, please, please share your truth. Please talk to people about what you're going through because I guarantee you the person with the perfect life, the perfect husband, the perfect baby, They might have postpartum depression and their husband isn't helping with the child. The person with the perfect business, they might be burnt the fuck out, unable to date and lonely AF. There are so many variations to every version of reality that we ever think we know. And I think one thing that the Barbie movie taught me is that underneath our programming that we need to hit 100% in every aspect of our life. We're all real and we're all flawed and we're all messy and we're all learning. And there are some days where we'll put on a tight little activewear set and we'll look in the mirror and we'll be like, yeah, today I look good. And there'll be other days when we wake up and we look in the mirror and we think, how will anyone ever love me looking like this? I cannot tell you how many days I think that when I look in the mirror. I'm like, I look horrible. And my boyfriend has this horrible habit of taking photos of me whilst I'm asleep. And I, like, I'm a mouth breather. Like, my mouth is open and I'm dribbling. I'm like, that is not cute. Stereotypical Barbie doesn't do that. But the truth is, none of us are stereotypical Barbie. We are all real. We are all messy. And we are all just learning to like ourselves underneath the perfect version that we are supposed to be. And it's really hard. I don't think anyone talks about it's hard liking yourself. That's why I hate the term self-love. I'm like, guys, you think it's just easy for us to just all 
love ourselves and think that we're great and amazing and perfect and beautiful and lovable. I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for me here, but I find it hard to love myself. Sometimes I like myself. Sometimes I can acknowledge how incredible my work ethic is or how hard I work. And sometimes I can acknowledge how many people I'm helping by doing what I'm doing. But that doesn't mean anything for me. I don't feel like a love for myself, like, oh, you deserve this. You are a good, good person. And sadly, I think that's where the healing lies. Because this belief, these beliefs, they were set so many years before we were consciously aware of them. And that's why I'm so fascinated by the father wound, the mother wound, understanding how our interactions with our caregivers have shaped the way that we feel about ourselves. Because often I think the way we feel about ourselves we have taken it on as what we actually think our parents or other people feel about us. And I think that's exactly why we strive for this 100% rule, this 100% line where we feel like, if I just do this and I just do that, then everything will slot into place and I will like myself, I will love myself, and so will everyone else. But what I hope you take from today's episode is that 100% in everything is not possible. And if we strive for that 100% and we hold ourselves to that standard, that is how we get depressed. That is how we get anxious. And that is why so many of us go into burnout and are experiencing severe health conditions because our body just cannot keep up with the pressure we are putting it under. So I just want you to ask yourself, where am I striving for something in life 100% when 80% could be more of a gentle, compassionate way of me approaching my mind, my body, and my soul. And my final point, my final truth is that I don't know who I am under those things. I don't know who I am under the gym and the shopping and the podcast. And I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to work out what brings me joy. I don't want to be someone that just sits scrolling on TikTok in all my spare time or eating because it's the only thing that brings me comfort or going to the gym. I want to know who Louise is underneath all of those things. And I want to know who you are underneath all of those things too. What really lights you up? What actually makes you happy? What actually makes you feel cherished and cared for and safe and excited and passionate? And what do you want to do in this world? What do you want to stand for in this world? Who do you want to help in this world? What pain have you gone through in your own life that can be a purpose and a guiding light for someone else? who either has gone through that too or is maybe going to go through that at some point in the future. I want to know what is your story because the more that I have sat with this, the layers, the distraction and the avoidance, what I am realizing is we have all gone through pain and learning and we all have the power to turn that into a purpose, to help even just one other person. And for some people, it might be millions of people, thousands of people. If it's just one, one person is enough. You can change the world yourself. And that's the journey that I'm on. And it is fucking hard. And I'm lonely and I'm lost. And some days are good and some days are bad. But what I want you to know is I do not live in Barbie's dream house. In fact, I'm just looking down on the floor next to me. There's an empty pack of Haribo gummy bears. They're mine. There's my boyfriend's Tupperware box. And if you guys know anything about me, I hate Tupperware boxes. They are like, I would almost say I have a phobia of them, but I wouldn't want to discredit the word phobia because they are just, 
disgusting when you take the lid off and they smell like the food. Ooh, and there's a pink hairdryer. So there you go. We're all a bit Barbie and we're all a bit messy. You're not alone. And let's just have fun on this healing journey. Like people get so lost in there's so much more healing to do, so much more trauma to heal. We just have to focus on having fun while we do it. And that is why I am obsessed with Open House, the people that message me, the people that are in our community room, the house. We're having fun while we do that. That is what is so important. Our inner child needs that play and that adventure and that laughing. Not everything has to be so serious. But most of all, I love you guys so much. I'm actually going home next week when I had blood in my poo. Again, sorry. I was just like, I have to go home. This is really serious and my health is really, really bad. I need to go home. I need to be with my mom. I need to be with my dog. I need to be with my friends. I'm going to go home. I don't know what happens after that. I'm sure I'm going to come back to Tulum. I'm going home on a one-way ticket, but I think I'll probably just spend four to six weeks there. And the rest, we'll see. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. I love you so much. And just remember, you were born to be loved, not just by other people, but also by yourself too. Sending you a thousand kisses and the biggest squeeze. And I will talk to you very soon. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And we're the hosts of Seeing Red. We deliver intriguing, terrifying and dumbfounding true crime stories each and every week. With a focus on cases from the UK, we do occasionally venture overseas. We've covered everything from the mysterious death of professional footballer Emiliano Sala to the attempted murder of Victoria Cilias, a woman who fell from the sky and lived to tell the tale. Binge our bulging back catalogue and join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red.